This is the audio of Bible study taught by Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find our website at goodshepherdlincoln.org, and there's a uh, treasure trove of other information available there as well. Uh, let's get into Bible study now. All right. We're going to try and get everything wrapped up today. So that's our plan. We're on uh, page 39, lesson 11. We've talked about communion the last couple of weeks. And now this lesson is entitled Prayer and Last Things, and it's last things in terms of trying to cover all the loose ends left, as well as one of those loose ends is also um, the end of the world, right? So what better place to end I set my coffee down and don't remember where, so it must be in my office. So I don't know what to hide behind now that I don't have coffee in my hands. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> we're going to start with talking about prayer. And uh, as Lutherans, we have a very specific uh, doctrine of prayer that is a little different from what many uh, churches teach. Um, and uh, so we want to talk, make sure we address that particular difference. So prayer, first off, is talking to God in word, and that means out loud, and also in thoughts. You can pray in your mind as well, in, in your uh, internal monologue, right? Does everybody here have an internal monologue? Okay, I learned the other day that some people do not. So um, there you go. <laughs> Either way, um, you can pray to God in your thoughts as well. And um, how do we know what to say? That's one of the questions that gets asked about prayer a lot. Well, the answer is God gives his word to us and teaches us who he is and what things he promises and is going to do for us. And our prayer then is speaking those things back to God in, in a way holding, you, holding God to his promises Right, uh, and so we we pray to God, and um, not to others. Right, so we don't pray, uh, for example, to the Virgin Mary. We don't pray, for example, uh, to Saint Sebastian or Saint Lawrence. We pray to God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We hold him to his promises. That's why the prayer that Vicar always prays, um, Dear Lord, can I please win the lottery so I don't have to work with Pastor Moline and Pastor Poppy anymore? Uh, that's why that prayer is not answered, because does God promise you that that will happen to you? No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, what does he promise that is good to pray for? He, what's that? Forgiveness of sins, um, the hope of eternal life that is to come. Um, it's good to pray for our health and the health of the people around us, right? God promises to give us our body, soul, eyes, ears, reason, senses, our house, home, wife, children, land, animal, all that we have. God gives those things to us, and he promises to take care of those things as well. So we hold him to that promise uh, every day of our life. We, uh, we pray that he would keep us in the faith, 
Uh, how does he do that? He sends his Holy Spirit uh, and uh, his sacraments that we might remain in the faith all the days of our lives. We pray for the things that God promises, and we hold him to those promises in that prayer. Now, we, we talked a little bit about why then our prayers shouldn't be for things that God doesn't promise, right? Um, you know, I can pray all I want to that God would make me as good-looking as, uh, I don't know, uh, who the, the handsome... What's that? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> um... That completely disarmed me. I have no idea how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah. The Lord can be with us in our sufferings, I guess. Um, yeah, as good-looking as the vicar, <clears throat> if you would ever pray that. He's not going to do that, thank God. <laughs> because um, that's not something that he's promised. He's made us who we are and he loves the way that we are. And so um, those sorts of prayers are outside of what he's promised. Now, there's something else that we need to say about prayer as well. And that is prayer is not a means of grace. Okay, the means of grace are the way that God makes us a Christian. He does that through his word preached and read and sung. He does that through the waters of baptism. He does that through the Lord's Supper. He does that through the office of the keys, our sins being forgiven. He does not make us Christians in prayer. What I mean specifically is this. Um, every year my kids go out trick-or-treating, right, for Halloween, okay? And there's one house, and I don't know which one it is. I guess it doesn't matter. They give out a little thing, a little booklet, okay? It's usually yellow, and um, it teaches you about the Christian faith purportedly. And it ends by saying, if you want to become a Christian, just pray this little prayer, and then you will be a Christian. And the prayer says something to the effect of... Um, God, I thank you, and I invite you into my heart, um, and I promise to follow you. And the teaching is that by praying this prayer, you become a Christian. God, let's just, before I get there, who then is doing the doing to make you a Christian, if that's how you become a Christian? You are, right? Then it's up to you. And we know from the scripture, who is it that actually does the doing to make us Christian? God. Okay? Prayer is our response to the things that God is giving. Okay? So, God gives his gifts. Look at that. I told you, I forgot my coffee, and here comes Linda with a cup. And a <laughs> there, See, now God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> There you go. I set mine down somewhere, and I don't know where that somewhere is. So thank you, Linda. Mm -hmm. God speaks to us in his word, and prayer is our response to
to what he says, which to, to go back to what I was saying, he promises particular things and we say, thank you, we'll take it and we're going to remind you about it, Lord. And that's what prayer is uh, in a sense. Does that make sense? It's not a way to earn from God either to say, um, by praying, <clears throat> the, the common way it's done in other churches is by praying the Lord's Prayer, each time you do it, you earn a certain number of points with God. Okay? And so the more times you pray it, the more points that you earn, and you can even counteract your sins if you earn enough points. That's not what prayer is. It is not a means of grace. It is speaking to God and reminding him of his promises and holding him to those promises. All right. What about rain? Can you pray for rain? Absolutely, and we should. <laughs> I've been praying for rain for several weeks. <laughs> I heard yours was um, answered. We, didn't, we got like five minutes of rain and didn't get 1,000. Well, see, you should pray a little. No. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no. Um, we should pray for rain when it's not raining. Why? Because God promises to give us um, the, the simple way of saying it is our daily bread, the things that take care of us every day. And how does a lot of that come to us? Through nature, through nature right? The, the corn. If you go to the grocery store and read the ingredients to your food that you eat, like 75% of what you eat is corn, right? Even in the meat, what do they feed the cows? Okay, um, so how does the corn get there? It's got to rain. It's got to rain. Or the wheat, or the apples, or the peaches, or whatever it is. It's got to rain. And so we hold God to the promise that he'll sustain us day by day, and part of that is prayer. Okay? Now, it's not, I was teasing you earlier, it's not that uh, I've been praying for rain and you haven't, and necessarily that that's why I got uh, an inch and a half last night and you got five minutes, you know, it, it's not necessarily that way, but we ought to pray for it for our own good and for the good of our neighbors as well. Um, I say that because I used to be pastor in North Dakota with lots of farmers, and they would come in every week and they'd say, okay, pastor, pray for rain this week. And then it would rain, and the next week they'd say, that's enough, Pastor. <laughs> and it's not like, by our prayer, we control the weather. God controls it. He knows what is good and right, and we pray that he would do that for us. Does that make sense? Okay. Other questions? All right. Um, we've talked kind of about how we pray. We hold God to what he says. We pray for the things that he promises. I want to go on the page 40 there. The most excellent prayer, right? That sounds like um, Bill and Ted's excellent adventures, right? <laughs> What's the most excellent prayer, dude? <laughs> uh, um, that was a movie, Vicar, from, uh, boy, from the 90s with Keanu Reeves and... Uh, who was the other? the other guy. Yeah, I can't either. Um, they had a phone booth, and they'd get in the phone booth, and they could travel around the universe. The phone booth used to be a phone. <laughs> no, just use it. We have to keep the vicar up to speed on these old-timey things. The most excellent prayer, of course, uh, is the one 
the disciples asked Christ, how ought we pray? Teach us to pray. Tell us what to say. And in response to that question, Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Our Father. Okay, And we pray that every week in church. You should pray it every day, multiple times perhaps even, at home, uh, in your day-to-day life, with your kids. It's the most excellent prayer because it was taught by our Lord and it covers all of the things that God promises in that one prayer. So uh, it starts with our Father who art in heaven, right? Um, And that tells us our relationship with God, that He is our Father and that we are His children. tells us um, that He's the one who dwells between the cherubim. Then we say, hallowed be your name. It means that God's name is holy, the name that's placed on us in baptism, thereby we're holy. Um, The name um, that marks all of the doctrine that we believe, teach, and confess. Your kingdom come, right? That's about Christ coming um, into earth and Christ's second coming all in one. Um, Your will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, let your word and uh, the doctrine that you teach and um, even your rule extend here into the world, even though the world is sinful and fallen. Our daily bread, all the things that sustain us day in and day out. Uh, It says here, this is the translation, uh, forgive us our debts. We're talking in that terms about our sins, our debts with God, the things we have done against His Word. Uh, And does God forgive that? Yes, through Christ. And so not only forgive us, but help us to forgive others who you also died for their sins. Uh, Lead us not into temptation, not into gross, unrepentant sin. Deliver us from evil. Uh, it, It can be translated the evil one from Satan, as well as all the things that flow out of the evil one here in this world. Um, Then we have this part here is kind of a, um, what's the right word? A refrain verse. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Okay, that part is not in scripture, but it's the liturgical response. And you see that even in the way we prayed in church, right? Um, This morning I sang the words of the Lord's Prayer, and then the whole congregation said amen with a really long amen that said, for thine is the kingdom, right? That part singing, it's a liturgical response to the Lord's Prayer. So that question comes up a lot. I think like the Catholics don't say that part normally. It's not in the scripture. It's a liturgical response that we sing. That was a really fast flyby. Shar. I never <laughs> the first part, but I didn't. Nobody ever told me that the end of it, what the end was. Yeah, it's it's the whole congregation. We sing that response. I want to use this illustration, which is uh, not quite right, but it's like putting our rubber stamp uh, on there, saying yes, everything that we're praying for, I'm agreeing with. Yes, yes, this shall be so. Right, Amen. Uh, that's what we're saying with that as well. I think another important part is to me too is Luther's morning prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in our house in the evenings, for example, before we go to bed, we pray 
We, we confess the Apostles' Creed, we pray the Lord's Prayer, and then we do pray Luther's Evening Prayer, and those are all in the small catechism. Um, if, you, uh, if you'd like a copy of that, let us know in the office. We'll get you one. Yeah. How did that come about? <laughs> How did that come about? Yeah. Um, how to answer that quickly? <laughs> it's it's something that's come into the church with a desire to be less formal. There's a desire, a movement in Christianity to be less formal. And it really comes out of pietism. So pietism has two directions. There's those who are ultra-pious and don't care uh, about the, agile, uh, the individual. And then there are those who are, their piety says, if I just say the same words over and over and don't think about them, then it doesn't mean anything. I'm just going through the motions. And... To avoid people going through the motions, they try to change it every week, and they don't say some of these things that are the stuffy, traditional things that people do. And so their idea with that is that that will help people focus on whatever they're saying. I understand what they're saying. Where's the part... um, If you're just saying the words and not thinking about them, and you're just going through the motions... What actually is the problem? The content <laughs> or your sinful nature that doesn't care <laughs> about the, the content? And that's, that's the, the answer I would have to that. So there's error on both sides. Or as Martin Luther said, the drunken peasant can fall off either side of the horse. <laughs> so I don't know if that answered. That was probably way more than you were looking for. Even... Uh, there are those who avoid saying the creed because we say the same thing every week and they'll try to rephrase it or reword it to try and get people to pay more attention to it. Um, the challenge is, if we do that, can you learn it and memorize it, right? Even, why do we sing the Lord's Prayer? Why do we sing the words of institution? The answer is, why do you sing the alphabet to your little kids, right? Um, Why do you still know all the words to Mary had a little lamb, right? Because by putting it to a tune, it helps us learn it and memorize it and writes it actually in more than one spot in our brain. The place where you can see that bear fruits is... Um, there was a retired pastor who had a stroke and he was on my visit list in North Dakota and he could no longer speak because of the stroke that he had. He could not have a conversation. He could not make his mouth work to talk. But you know what he could still do? Sing. So if you would go and visit and sing a hymn, he could sing along and he knew all the words and he could go on. If you sang the Lord's Prayer he could still follow along and sing it. Why? Because by singing it, it put it in more than one spot in his brain, and the part that was damaged didn't allow him to talk, but it was in a different place, and he could still 
pull up that file, if you will, and uh, remember it and use it. I don't know if that makes any sense. So, again, I remember from 1974, the Lord's Prayer of the Singing Nuns. Do you remember that? I do not. Okay. I do not. That's how I learned the Lord's Prayer as a child. Okay. Yeah. And um, I don't know if they were the singing nuns, but I knew I knew it was nuns that that sang it. Yeah. Some of the um, kids in church, very very little. Uh, their their parents apologize every week on the way out of church. Sorry, uh, you know our our child was singing the Lord's prayer when you were singing it, and I say that's good. That's why we're doing it that way. Don't feel bad about it. That's what we want. That's what we want. Even uh, singing the the words of institution. One more comment on that. It also teaches us the parts of the words of institution. Luther wrote the tune. And when we get to the actual words that Christ speaks, it, it has that lower note. Um, and that tells you that these are the actual words that Christ spoke, while the other part is a higher note that tells you these are the words that the evangelists and uh, St. Paul have written uh, around that or that are the narrative of what's going on. And that used to be in the old days, like on Good Friday, they'd come to church and they would hear an opera version of the words uh, of the gospel around the arrest, crucifixion, and death of Jesus. And Jesus was always sung by the bass so that you would know that was his words. And so that's the same thing there. All right, way off tangent. Yeah, sure. I just, I think this is an advantage of Lutheran, being a Lutheran, is that we learn the Lord's Prayer and Yeah, I bet you remember verses from when you were. Oh, absolutely. And and that's that's the thing that we want. I'm losing it, but... <laughs> well, I mean, it's been 25 years since you learned it, right? Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> All right. Any questions on prayer? We're going to try and do a flyby then of the end of the world. (laughs) Uh, And we have to talk about this a little bit now because there's lots of different things that have come up uh, in our modern American world, especially, that we need to address. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, the, the answer is no. Yeah, I was going to say, God hears all of our prayers. He promises to uh, in the scriptures. At the same time, there's three ways he can answer it. He can say yes, he can say no, and he can say wait for one of those two answers to come later. And uh, we don't always understand why. 
right? So a, a boy with cancer, in our minds, the, the right answer should be yes. Obviously, you're going to heal him. Um, God will heal all illnesses, but some of them will have to wait until the resurrection. And God does that in his infinite wisdom, and we can't understand that. And he's not our servant. We are his servants. And so we pray for things knowing that sometimes his answer can be no. And the reason I'm going to delve here as much as I can without hopefully getting myself into trouble. Um, I'm a parent. I have four kids. And if I just said yes to everything they asked me, how would that go in my house? Right? Okay. I know, Jess, that's hard for you because your parents told you yes for everything. No, just... (laughs) Sometimes saying no actually is for our good, even when we don't understand how. Right? So if, if... my youngest child says, can I stay up and watch the horror movie on Channel 3? Right? I don't know. We don't watch much TV. It's for their good for me to say, no, you need to go to bed because they're getting the sleep they need. They're not watching the filth that they shouldn't watch. Uh, I say no, and that's for their good. But does that mean that they're happy with me? No. So that's the example that I would use. And God in his infinite wisdom knows what's best for us, even if we cannot understand it. Does that kind of help? Okay. All right. All right, we're really going to fly through the end of the world now. (laughs) The end of the times. First off, we have the question, what happens when we die? We have, this is the perfect day to talk about it because the, Uh, Rich Man and Lazarus was our gospel lesson. Our person is made up of two parts that makes the whole. We have a body and we have a soul. And those things together are who we are, our body and our soul. Now obviously sin affects our body, right? That's why I have all these gray hairs. And and even more since the vicar got here, right? Okay. Sin makes our bodies wear out. And it does to the point where someday we all will die. And what death is, is our body and our soul are separated. Okay? So the whole that God made us is broken by sin and its effects. When we die, we take care of the body part. Right? So we take a body and we put it in the ground and we mark it, we pray over it. And God, in faith, takes the soul part to go to be with Him. Okay? And that's what we sang in the first hymn Let at last your angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home. In the faith, that's what happens to us. Now, if you're not in the faith, Your soul is not born by the angels to be with God, but instead your soul goes to hell to await both places. We await the last day when Christ will return. When Christ returns, he is going to bring all the souls 
with him, both out of hell and then also out from being with him, the place of the dead, and he's going to raise all the dead bodies and put them back together and reunite body and soul. And those who are Christian, have faith, on that day will go to live forever with God in the new creation, body and soul together. Those without faith on that day will go to eternal suffering of hell, body and soul together forever. Okay? So we have those things, body and soul separated at death, put back together on the last day. What that means is you will not become an angel when a bell on a Christmas tree rings. Okay, sorry, Vicar. That will not happen. Um, You are not a spirit forever, a soul just floating around without a body. Body and soul together in the resurrection of the dead on the last day. All right, Shar. Is that judgment? I mean, when the body and soul come together, is that the time we're judged? Yeah. Yes, in the sense, in one sense, right? So we have in Matthew 25. Um, Jesus gives us a... Is it Matthew 25? Make sure I got the right chapter. It's either Matthew 24 or 25. Jesus talks about the last day and the sheep and the goats. Right? And it is a judgment in the sense that if you have faith, your resurrected body will go to be with God. If you do not have faith, your resurrected body will go to hell. Okay? It's judgment in that sense that that's the dividing time that takes place. At the same time, at the moment of death, if you die before that day, there is an aspect of that where if you are in the faith, your soul goes to be with God. If you're not in the faith, your soul does not go to be with God. And so there is, in that sense, a judgment at the moment of death as well, which is why we want to die in the faith. The big final day is when that is official. I want to make sure I say that clearly. So that's our text, right? Lazarus, this morning, is pictured at Abram's side, but it's still before the day of resurrection. So there's this intermediate state in between the day of our death and the day of resurrection where we're still looking forward to that great resurrection. We see that in Revelation, too, the souls under the altar saying, How long, O Lord? All right, yeah. Will you know people in heaven? Yes. Yes. Get to meet all the actors. The ones who go to heaven. <laughs> yes. You, it's... You will not start with a blank slate, if that makes sense. You will still be who God has made you to be. You will not have your sin any longer. I don't know if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. 
no, no really confused faces. <laughs> okay. Other questions? Christ is coming back. I'm going to try and summarize this. There is one time that is going to happen. Okay? And what I mean is someday in the future, perhaps today, the trumpet of God will sound. We'll all hear it. We'll all see Christ descending from heaven. And we all will go to be with God in the Christian faith. That's a one-time thing. Why I say that is there are, especially in America, people who teach something called the rapture. That Jesus is coming back secretly. And that he's going to steal people and their bodies. And there's going to be people left behind who are going to have a second chance to repent of their sin. That is a modern, modern teaching that was invented in the mid-1800s. It is new. It is not what the scriptures teach. It is not what um, the church has believed for 2,000 years. It is a new teaching. And um, it is someone trying to take and insert their own ideas into a very literal reading of the book of Revelation. It is not what the scriptures teach. And if you read, for example, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, you see that. <laughs> that that is what we teach. Christ coming one time is what the scriptures teach as well. That's not justice for that particular topic, but it's about what we have time for. So would that like be when the... Like when the sun goes atomic or something? The scriptures tell us that, I mean, Christ himself says the sun will be like sackcloth, meaning it will go out. But it is not the sun going supernova in terms of the, what, what science teaches. That, could that happen? Sure, as a part of it. But it's not that... In this way, when is the sun going to run out of fuel, according to science? We still have like four and a half billion years, okay? Nature and those things are not governing God. God governs them the other way around. Maybe that's the simplest way to say it. He will put out the sun, and he will destroy this world with fire to purify it. And we will be raised and we will go to the new heaven and the new earth to live face to face with God forever and ever in his kingdom. All right. There you see it is Matthew 25, by the way. It's on page 41. Uh, okay. Shar. There is a debate in um, in Christian circles about that. There are some who say it could be, and there are some who say it is not. My personal opinion is that it is not, that it is um, what Jesus is saying in the rich man and Lazarus is a parable to help us understand 
what happens when we die and that it is not specifically the Lazarus who died and he rose from, raised from the dead. That's my personal opinion. Um, because many things that we know about the Lazarus who died and Christ raised from the dead do not match the details of a poor beggar who's sitting outside of a door. Lazarus has a home, he has sisters who care for him, and they're all together in a big happy family, right? Yeah. So that's my take. Vicar, what's your take? Right. Right. You're on the same page as me. Okay. It's about time. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should end the class with that, right? <laughs> Any other questions now that the vicar is finally on the same page? So that kind of come, uh, brings to an end our uh, summary of Christian doctrine slash new member class. For those of you who are not a member and would like to be, let me know. Give me a, give me a phone call or, or call the church office or send an email to the church office, and we'll get the information to you. And if you have any questions that we didn't answer that are eating away your mind... Um, or if we want to meet with you just before... Yes, exactly. So let me know. And sometime in July, we're going to try and have a new member welcome that's a part of the church service. So for any of you that that's what you'd like to do, let me know. And that will be the official welcome. When we sit down and visit, that'll be the, the part where you become a member. So it's, it's not that you would wait communion until then, but let's sit down and visit and uh, have a conversation, and then we can get that process started. Do you have a card? I ran out, so I don't have any currently, because uh, rather than order them, we just print them here at the church, and I need to do more of them. Um, but I can, if you have a pen, I can give you my cell phone number. Uh, I'll do that after I stop recording, so I don't get <laughs> random calls from <laughs> random people listening to the podcast. Both of them, right? <laughs> so... The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.